So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. So, a heart at rest. Let's pray, shall we? Father, we thank you so much for your presence here with us. We thank you for your word, which is always so inspiring and so encouraging to us. We thank you, Lord, for all that you want to say to us this morning and for your great love towards us. And I just pray, Lord, now that we just open up our hearts and we just hear your voice speaking to us today in whatever situation we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's lovely to be here with you again today. I'm just going to move that because I can't see you. So, um, I have been thoroughly enjoying reading the Passion Translation. And you might have some reservations about that. It's not a word-for-word translation of the Bible. But for me, I've been reading the Bible for years and years, and you can get over-familiar with it, can't you? You can just think, oh, that's what it says, and you just rush over it. But sometimes when we pick up another translation of the Bible, it brings something alive to us. And I've been enjoying the Passion Translation. Some of it um, I don't quite see eye to eye with, but in the case that I'm bringing this morning, looking at Proverbs, it's really helped me to see things in a different light. And so I'm going to be talking about a heart at rest. And in the Passion it says, God is your confidence in times of crisis, keeping your heart at rest in every situation. God is more interested in the state of our hearts than any other part of, of, of us, actually. Um, he, he chose David because of the state of his heart. He said, I found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. What a lovely thing that God could say about him. And he goes on to say, he will do everything I want him to do. So an obedient heart. He was ready to act on what God showed him to do. And um, when, when he sent Samuel to find the next king of Israel and all Jesse's sons stood up and Samuel was going through them one at a time. He said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And this is so countercultural, isn't it, to where we're at in the world at the moment. And people are getting more and more obsessed by how they look and their achievements and how to present themselves in their best light to the world, that we've actually created Facebook, haven't we, so that people can do their, that, they can strut their stuff. Um, but the Bible tells us God looks at, at, it, at us in a different way. He's looking at our hearts. There are so many references to the state of our hearts in the Bible that there's no way I could cover all of that this morning. So I just want to pick out, uh, first of all, these scriptures from Proverbs. And I've put it up in the whole thing because it'll be different if you haven't got the translation. So, I'm going to, could I get that thing a little bit nearer? Sorry, because not much. Is that, is that okay there? Yeah. That's better for me. Thank you. So, trust in the Lord completely. 
and do not rely on your own opinions. With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. Don't think for a moment that you know it all, for wisdom comes when you adore him with undivided devotion and avoid everything that is wrong. Then you will find the healing refreshment your body and spirit long for. My child, never drift off course from these two goals for your life to walk in wisdom and to discover discernment. Don't ever forget how they empower you, for they strengthen you inside and out and inspire you to do what is right. You will be energised and refreshed by the healing they bring. They give you living hope to guide you, and not one of life's tests will cause you to stumble. You will sleep like a baby, safe and sound, your rest will be sweet and secure. You will not be subject to terror, for it will not terrify you, nor will the disrespectful push you aside because God is your confidence in times of crisis, keeping your heart at rest in every situation. Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. So, above all, guard the affections of your heart, for they affect every, all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, from, for from there flows the wellspring of life. Awesome. So the heart is about the real you. It's about what we really are when the lights have turned out and we're alone with our own thoughts and feelings. It's the seat of our affections and passions. It's about what motivates us and what we really care about. It's about our honest and true selves. It's where our strength comes from to persevere and carry on when tough things try to shake us and where we decide what action to take when we come under temptation. And that's why it's so important to God. And that's why he says, above all else, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life or as the passion says, so above all else, Guard the affections of your heart, for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being, for from there flows the wellspring of life. So I love the fact that God wants us to have a heart that is at rest. I love the fact that he is wanting the best for us. He wants to have peace, no matter what's going on in our lives. He wants us to know him and to connect with him. Sometimes we can get a weird idea of what God is really like. Sometimes we can see him as a cross-school teacher, telling us that we're not quite good enough, or an angry parent that's saying, you know, I'm picking on every little fault that we have, 
or a friend that is really not that interested. But God is so, so different. And he always, always wanted his people to have the very best. Even the Old Testament law, it wasn't meant to be something that it sort of weighed on people heavily. It was meant to give them freedom. It was meant for them to understand this is the way to live free. This is the way to live a wholesome, fruitful, good life. But of course, people turned it into a heavy thing that began to weigh on people. So today we're going to look at some of the keys that we can have. How can we have a heart that is at rest? How can we? So the first thing is to trust in the Lord with all our hearts. To have that trust in him. We've been singing some wonderful songs this morning about how great God is and how powerful he is. And all the wonderful things that he has done for us. He is a great God. He is a great big God. And he wants to help us. He wants to come alongside us. He wants to interact with us. And the thing that we often struggle is knowing, does God actually, this big God out there, does he really, really know me personally? Does he really, really care about me? Can we actually trust in his love? Because it's when we understand that he loves us that it becomes easier to trust him. Jesus took on board two disciples, James and John, and they were called the sons of thunder. So you can imagine what kind of temperament they had. They were fiery. They perhaps spoke out when they should have kept their mouths shut. I can be a bit like that sometimes. And Yet, one of those guys, John, he was the one that got the most revelation about God's love in the New Testament. Isn't that fantastic? And after he gets baptised in the Spirit, he starts to write his letters to people and they're all about how much love God has for us. And the Bible says, John says to us, we know and rely on the love God has for us. Or as the Passion says, we've come to an intimate experience with God's love and we trust in the love he has for us because God is love. Can you imagine all that power and all that might reaching down to you in love and compassion? It's fantastic really when we start to think about it. God is with us in every and any situation and our problems seem really small to him. Not insignificant, they're very significant to him, but not small. He sees them as small. He can help us in ways that no one else can help us. And actually, trusting in God, it's not that... difficult when you stop and think about it. Think about a baby trusting in, the, in its parents to look after it. All it has to do is just believe what the parent says and just rest there and know that it's going to have the best care that it could possibly have. So when we're trusting in the Lord with all our heart, we're trusting in his love. We're trusting that every, every part of us matters to God's and that he really, really cares for us 
and that he can really, really help us. The next bit of that verse is do not be wise in your own eyes. The NIV says, lean not on your own understanding and do not be wise in your own eyes. And the Passion says, do not rely on your own opinions. Don't think for a moment that you know it all. Sometimes, dare I say it, um, we think that God should have done something. He should have stopped something. He should have acted in our life in a particular way so that we wouldn't have any pain or discomfort. Sometimes we think that actually he didn't do the right thing. Deep down we do and we have those struggles. Sometimes, dare I say it, we actually think that if we were God, we would have done something different or we would have stopped something from happening. And sometimes we start to tell God what to do instead of listen to what he's telling us to do. We don't like things that cause us emotional pain. We don't like things that make us struggle. And sometimes we complain. I do anyway. You might be much better than me. (laughs) But God teaches us in his word that there are treasures to be found in the dark places, riches to be found in secret places. That's what Isaiah says. And God is the one with all wisdom and all understanding, not us. Paul writes, Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his paths beyond tracing out. For who has discovered how the Lord thinks or is wise enough to be the one to advise him in his plans. Sometimes we just really don't get it that God is so much wiser than us. A friend put this on um, my WhatsApp group this morning and it's from Isaiah 55 in the message and God is saying, I don't think the way you think The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. None of us is wiser than God. Let's have the wisdom, though, to come to him and let him lead us, let him make those decisions, not telling him but actually listening and seeing what would you do in this situation God people used to wear those bands on didn't they what would Jesus do, it's a really good question to ask what would you do God and we all go through tough times all, there are things that happen that seem to almost want to overwhelm us. And we find people in the Bible with those same issues. Job had a really tough time. And all the way through his book, he's like trying to argue and wrestle with God about what's happening to him. 
Now, lots of times in different ways, he's saying the thing that we all say, it's not fair, God. Why is this happening to me? It's not fair. I think I've done everything right, but this is happening. And he he goes all through the book, kind of getting his feelings out, talking to God about it. And then right at the end of the book of Job, God starts to ask him questions. Where were you when this happened? Could you make that happen? Lots of questions which make Job realise that God was the one. He was the one that had all the wisdom and understanding and not Job. And right at the end, he says to God, Surely I spoke of things I didn't understand, things too wonderful for me to know. And he finally came to some peace about not understanding. Why we think we have to understand, I don't know. (laughs) The Bible doesn't tell us that we're going to understand everything that happens to us or all God's ways. They're, They're beyond our understanding. But we have to come to a place of peace where we say to God, your will be done and not mine whatever that looks like for us. Sometimes, like Job, we have to come to a place of peace. We we need to wrestle with God about our feelings, bring them to him. And sometimes, dare I say it, we actually need to forgive God, not because God does anything wrong. He doesn't. But it's a way of us releasing where we're stuck, where we're saying, still saying in the back of our mind, It's not fair. If we don't forgive God, we'll end up becoming bitter and turning our backs on him, which is just really the most stupid thing to do because then we've got no... We're cutting off our help. We're cutting off our strength. Some time ago, God just asked me a really simple question. And it had a bigger impact on me than I thought. He just said, do you trust me? And at that point, I actually was struggling with some things and I thought, actually, I'm not sure I do trust you right now, but I want to learn how to do that. I want to move from this place of feeling like I'm wrestling with this to a place where I can give it to God and leave it there. And then I was just clearing up some of Marcus's engineering magazines and I saw this, just, I don't know how I saw it, it was on the inside, it wasn't on the front and it just said, total trust with a big full stop. And I I had to cut it out and put it in my journal because it made such a big impact on me. Can we actually do that? Even the full stop made an impact on me. It was like, total trust. That's what I'm asking of you, Wendy. Total trust. No ifs, no buts, no striving, no questions, no moaning at me, no complaining. Full stop. Total trust. And so I'm sharing that with you this morning because it helped me. It helped me to move on from a place where I was doubting God's love and goodness towards me to a place where I just say, God, have it all. Be who you want to be through me. It's not about me, it's about you, God. So the next bit, 
is about seeking God's wisdom. If he is all wise, that's what we need, isn't it? We need his wisdom. Jesus was very wise because he never did anything without hearing or seeing it first from the Father. That is amazing, isn't it? He said in John 8, 28, I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. I think that's incredible. That's why he could do what he could do because he lived that close with his Father. Proverbs says, With all your heart, rely on him to guide you and he will lead you in every decision you make. Become intimate with him in whatever you do and he will lead you wherever you go. So it's about walking with God, isn't it? It's about walking with him like Adam and Eve did before they fell, like like Enoch did, like Jesus did. It's about walking with him so that you're in tune with him. You can hear what he's saying when he wants to show you something. And just being in touch with him, chatting to him throughout the day, (coughs) listening, trusting him to work things out when they don't look good, standing on his promises, we'll come on to that a bit more in a minute, but as coming to that place that as Romans 8, 28 says it, we are convinced that every detail of our lives is continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives. For we are lovers who have been called to fulfil his designed purpose. God shows us what we need to know. He leads us. He, Psalm 23, he leads us in the path of righteousness. He leads us like a shepherd that really cares for its sheep. And then when the sheep don't know what's going on, he just picks them up and carries them. And he's done that with me on more than one occasion. We just need to be sure that we're close to him and that we don't allow our pain to be louder than his voice in our lives. Seek God's wisdom. And then focus on God and his word. His word is just the most amazing thing. I'm very passionate about God's word. I absolutely love his word and it's, it's always coming alive to me and I just love to read it and, and hear what God's saying. In Proverbs we read, Listen carefully, my dear child, to everything that I teach you and pay attention to all that I have to say. Fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate deep into your spirit. Then, as you unwrap my words, they will impart true life and radiant health into the very core of your being. In particular, God's promises are things that we can hang on to. He can't lie. God can't lie. Even if he tried, he just couldn't lie. His word is true and every promise in the Bible is yes and amen as Paul tells us. We can stand on those promises. We can get them into our minds and into our hearts and if you're stuck ever and you don't know kind of what promise to hang on to in your situation, fortunately there are books like this which gather God's promises 
um, into little groups so that you can look up whatever you're at, whatever situation you're in. So if you're struggling with anxiety, you can find promises that will help you to, to get through that. But any promise you find in God's word is yours. We are children of God and his promises are right for us, every single one of them. I, have, I expect God to give me scriptures on a regular basis and to challenge me and to um, get me focused on him. And in my study, I've got like a, a small little whiteboard on the wall and I've just had to clean it off because there's just too much on it now and I've got to start again. But put scripture around. If you need to stand on a promise, write it out and put it somewhere that you can see it and stand on his word. Whatever happens, hold on to his word. Hold on to his promises and know that he will come through on every single one of them. And then we're talking about guarding our hearts, aren't we? Above all else, guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. Sometimes it's really good to listen to the voice on the inside of you. Do you ever do that sometimes? Sometimes if I'm feeling a bit... I think, what am am I actually saying to myself? And a bit like that Muttley creature on the cartoon I used to watch when when I was a little girl. Well, when I hear that kind of noise, I think it's time for me to get with God and sort it out. And I just kind of go through the thing of just like, God, cleanse my heart. Show me if I need to forgive anyone. Show me if I'm anxious about something. Show me, Lord, what's in my heart. David prays that at the end of Psalm 139. He says, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Not that God needs to know it, but it's like we're asking him, show me what you see, God. When you look into my heart, show me what you see, because I won't see it otherwise. And sometimes we've just got to do a healthy heart check. And I've produced these little leaflets, um, which Marcus will put out later, so that you can take one if you want to. Um, This one's gone upside down, so it's not going to be put out. But it's like going through things I do. I personally do this on a regular basis of just asking God, what's going on in my heart? What am I really thinking and feeling? Who am I grumpy with? What, what do I need to do to get in a place of peace over that? God is really good at helping us to have clean hearts and healthy hearts. Hearts that burst with love for him and for other people. And so please take one of those if you think it would help you. I'm more than happy for you to have them. And then Proverbs tells us what a healthy heart does for us. All these things, healing, refreshment, empowerment, strength on the inside and out, inspiration to do right, energy and refreshment. Have I got that down twice? No. Um, Healing, hope. Sleep like a baby, rest and security, no fear, confidence in God, true life, radiant health, a heart that's at rest. Not bad, is it? 
all the benefits of having a healthy heart. My mum has just been told that her heart isn't healthy and she needs a pacemaker. I think there's a case for that in the spirit too, isn't there? Do we sometimes need that jolt to get us going again and get us focused on God again? Jesus always had a heart at rest. Even in a storm, his heart was at rest. He was out on the sea and he was asleep in the boat because he knew his father would take care of him and protect him. And even when the disciples started panicking, Jesus, what are you doing asleep? We're all going to drown, we're going to die. Jesus is like, and he stands up and he says to them, why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Isn't that amazing? I mean, to them, they were seasoned fishermen, a lot of them, and they knew this was a serious storm. And Jesus would have heard the panic in their voice. And if I'd been there, I'd probably started panicking too, (laughs) till I focused. But Jesus gets up and he says, where's your faith? What's the matter with you guys? Don't you know you've got a father in heaven? Nothing can happen to you unless he says so. And then he just gets up and rebukes the storm and says, be still. And instantly it became perfectly calm. We can have a heart at rest if we trust in our Father like Jesus did in his love and in his protection over us. And I felt like today God just wanted to ask us a question or two or three. Why are you gripped with fear? Where is your faith? Is it in your circumstances which threaten to overwhelm you? Or is it in the fact that no matter what happens, I am there with you. I want to give you a heart at rest. I want to give you my peace which passes understanding. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Don't worry or surrender to your fear. Trust in me. Don't expect to understand everything. Just know that I've got you. I've got you. You are so precious to me. I love you more than you could possibly imagine. There is nothing you need to face alone because I am always with you. Be still and know that I am God. I am your God and your saviour. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your immense, immense love for each one of us. I thank you, Lord, that you were willing to do whatever it cost to get us so that we can call you Father. That you even sent your son to die for us on that cross so that that gap between us and you would be bridged and so that you could call us your children. 
See what love the Father has that we should be called the children of God. How amazing, Lord. And Lord, I just pray for each one of us here, Lord, that we would lean back into you more and more, that we would trust in your love for us, that we wouldn't strive and struggle trying to understand or complain, Lord, but that we would just let go and let you have every single part of our hearts and fill it with your rest. Lord, that we can have a peace, a rest, in every circumstances, because we, can, we know, we know we are yours, and you are ours, Lord. How I thank you, Lord. I thank you personally for all the times that you've shone your light into my heart and shown me things that are not right there. Lord, would you keep doing that, Lord, because I I just want to get closer to you and, and represent you more accurately. But Lord, for all of us, just let us give you first place in our hearts, in that deep place, Lord, where sometimes we need encouragement and we love and your love and your comfort And sometimes, Lord, we need you to just say, come on, you need to sort this out now. Lord, we just thank you that you are so interested in the real us, that before you we don't have to put on a special face or a special way of being. We can come to you just as we are and you just see directly into our hearts. You see those things we're struggling with and you see those things that are making us less than you want us to be and you still love us, Lord. You go on loving us, whatever we do. I thank you, Lord. And I just pray for more and more revelation of your love for each and every person here today and that we'd walk close with you, following in your footsteps, listening to your heart, hearing what you want us to hear. Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen.